I've sat across from a woman who was asking me like 10, 15 questions on a first date, just drilling back to back to back. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, she's been burned. She <laughs> she has what I call black heart syndrome. She, she's come from really rough, a really rough relationship, clearly, because she wouldn't be just drilling me with questions. And then you go out with another woman who just sits across from you and you can just feel the warmth and the kindness. And she comes from a place of curiosity really just genuinely wanting to get to know me and understand the full picture and i want to get to know her and it's kind of uh lobbing the ball back and forth and it just has a flow and i think that there's just such a different feel to those uh those questions even if you're asking almost the same questions welcome to the love strategies podcast where we help successful women attract high value men date with a strategy and improve their relationships now whether you're single or dating or in a new relationship we're here to help you dive into the male mind and provide raw insights found nowhere else backed by science psychology and our own personal experiences your hosts today are myself adam ladolce professional dating coach and founder of love strategies and dr gary lewandowski a relationship scientist professor and our head relationship coach here at love strategies please share with a friend and enjoy Gary, I think one of the most challenging things that people go through when they're dating is you go out with this person, I don't know, one or two, maybe three times. And the whole time you're trying to think to yourself, is this person relationship material? Is this person actually worth my time, my energy, or is this going to be some narcissistic uh, time waster who just sucks all of my emotional energy dry? And uh, I think that's what we're going to be discussing today is few questions that you can ask to maybe save you a little bit of time throughout the dating process and determine if he is relationship material. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really interesting about how you pose that is you can have like kind of all those questions running in the background all while you're having the most amazing fun time with this person who's just cool to hang out with. Right. right. You're going out on Friday and Saturday and like everything's great. You have a wonderful time. Like you're smiling, you're laughing, you're all this stuff, but it's like still like is this real? Like, is this guy really yeah. relationship material? And it, it's like one of those things that I think, I don't know, like I get asked this a lot. It's like, how do I know? How do I know for sure if this person is for real? And there's no magic test. Like, it'd be nice if there was like a, a phone on your app where you just kind of like scan them like a QR code and be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy's awesome. That, that's the trillion dollar business right there, dude. We got to get out of coaching and just create that app, whatever yeah. that is, just, QR code. Simple face scan, this guy's for real or not. I mean, there's probably actually something to that with like biomarkers. Anyway, whole other thing. Um, but I yeah. think that whole idea of like, you know, are there like markers that you can kind of see kind of gets us into, we're going to get to those three questions that you definitely want to ask. But I think the first thing we want to do is go through some of the mistakes. And there are some common mistakes that people make in the pursuit of answering this question is, is he relationship material? And I think the first yeah. one, the first mistake is trying to read the signs. Yeah. Right? And that sounds like, well, what what the hell am I supposed to do if I'm not supposed to be reading the signs? But it's this is an issue of what signs are you reading? And I think people are yeah. always like playing a little armchair psychologist with these things and are trying to read like subtle signs. Right? Yeah. And it's like a good sign might be like kind of digging into his relationship history a little bit. Like what's what's that been like? Has he been married, divorced six times, never had a relationship, never had a serious relationship, talks bad about all of his exes. I think those are, are good signs. Um, but, you know, you you know from experience that there's some bad signs that people look at too. 
Well, I was going to save this for a different podcast, but I feel like this is a perfect time for a little Adam rant because uh, <laughs> there are things such as as astrological signs. Oh, he is a Sagittarius or I don't know. I'm a Gemini. Oh, he's a Gemini and I'm a whatever. So, oh, no, I don't know if we're going to be a good fit or um, th- there's other. Si- I mean, we've been talking a lot internally about Mercury being in retrograde because I used to have someone who worked here who was a big fan of looking at like when Mercury was going around the sun and whether it's in retrograde and if that's a good sign for things happening. And, and all of that is, is insanity. I mean, just looking at things like that um, to determine, and it, it sounds a little cuckoo saying this on a podcast this way, but people really do look at that type of stuff. Um, and then on a more like tactical level, I think a lot of signs people will look for that I think is really silly are, how often he, how quickly he responds to your text messages. Like, is he responding within 10 minutes? Oh, that's a really good sign that he really likes me versus he takes three hours to respond to a text message. No, that doesn't matter. You gotta be kidding me. 10 minutes versus three hours. Yeah. For all we know during that 10 minutes of delay, he's texting 10 other women. And then the guy who waits three hours, for all we know, he's really focused at work. He's doing his thing. He's working out. He's got an incredible life. So, yeah, I, this is this is the Adam rant that I just <laughs> let me get it together. It, it's so funny, right? Because like you look at text, and we literally I just had a client. It was like a week, maybe two weeks ago. That I, she didn't come right out and say this, but I swear that behind the scenes, she was actually charting texts and how many texts she was getting per day and which day. And I was like, I'm thinking about like to what end. Like, oh, this week it was 9.5 texts a day and the other week it was 8.76. Like, is that good? Like, as much as I love data, that's just the wrong way to go about a relationship. It, you're, you're kind of focusing on the wrong things because like you said, yeah. what's behind those texts and why they're doing it, you don't really know. And so yeah, here's the thing, and this is why it's mistake. Don't Don't spend too much time trying to read these signs and like trying to be clever about it and like find these things that might mean something ask just ask ask him to explain ask open-ended questions because something i say all the time the number one solution to every relationship problem it's always the same thing at least at first communication 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 you have to talk about it and so gotta and you gotta do it in real life in the real world not in the digital world not going onto his instagram and looking at Oh, who's that girl that he has a picture with that he's posing with from three years ago? Why did he send me that weird emoji, like the little sly, you know, um, face or emoji? I don't know. I don't know emojis. Whatever. Why does he send me that little heart emoji? Does that mean something? Does that mean he likes me? Does that mean he doesn't like me? No, who cares? We're not designed for that type of communication. Real life communication, we've evolved over millions of years to be able to read the subtleties of how someone communicates with us. And that's where you get the real information. And so that is, I think, a really, really important point when it comes to this. And the questions we're about to ask, uh, tell you about, you gotta do this in real life. You can't do this digitally because you're just not gonna get the wealth of information that exists when you actually talk to another human being in the real world. But wait, what what if he used the exact same emoji in 2017 with this other girl? No, that's not a thing. Oh man, that's it. He's done. He is done. Next, next, next. It's so, so funny because yeah. like all of that internet sleuthing, the googling, like like the record finding, like that's so 
like it feels good. It feels like you're doing something. It feels like you're digging into the past, but like you have to realize you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know why, yeah. and you don't know the backstory, and it's you're filling in a lot of blanks, and that that's a really dangerous place to be. And so that leads us to the second mistake, which sounds like the perfect solution. Like I just said communication. I think I repeated it like three or four times. Um, so <laughs> yeah. there was, the second mistake is asking too many questions, like mm. so many questions, like a bajillion nonstop questions, and it's drilling him. Just yep. not as like. You know, describe yourself. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Where, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Why should I date you? Who have you dated? It's like, it's like the world's worst job interview. Yeah, and that's not what we want. It's, 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 it's got to be quality over quantity. Yeah, and and it's so much like the questions you just described. When you get into interview mode, it comes from like your your intentions really matter because when when you're sitting across from a woman. And you can tell her intention is to get information about you rather than actually connect with you and get to know the human being that you are. There's a big difference between the two. And there's a very different feel to it. Like I've sat across from a woman who is asking me like 10, 15 questions on a first date, just drilling back to back to back. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, she's been burned. She <laughs> she is what I call black heart syndrome. She She's come from really rough, a really rough relationship, clearly, because she wouldn't be just drilling me with questions. And then you go out with another woman who just sits across from you and you can just feel the warmth and the kindness. And she comes from a place of curiosity, really just genuinely wanting to get to know me and understand the full picture. And I want to get to know her. And it's kind of uh, lobbing the ball back and forth and it just has a flow. And I think that there's just such a different feel to those, uh, those questions, even if you're asking almost the same questions, you know what I'm saying, Gary, like, have you ever yeah. felt yeah. that when you're, when you're with someone? Yeah. Like, what has your relationship experience been like versus yeah. what's your relationship experience been like? <laughs> Very different. Eh? Cause I think sometimes that second style sounds like you're trying to catch somebody in a lie or like you're trying, like you're digging for dirt. Like this is some kind of weird, like expose interview. And the first one yeah. is just like a general, like what's it, what's it been like for you? Like how, how's, how's your past been? Well, Gary, tell me about the last three women that you've dated and how did it end and did you cheat on any of them how okay. many were scorpios <laughs> oh, no no i can't do it with astrology i can't <laughs> that is like one thing that i think our clients kind of mm. hate about me is when i make fun of astrology and the other one is that i just i can't stand and this is gonna be a quick tangent is i spoke to a woman and she was telling me about how she's going to manifest her love life. Like she's all about manifestation okay. and to her manifestation was doing absolutely freaking nothing in her love life. Oh, I'm just going to go about my life and I'm going to manifest him. Well, what does manifesting mean? Well, I'm going to keep telling myself he's coming. I'm going to look in the mirror give myself some affirmations. And I'm like, pull, like pulling my hair out because this is like the antithesis of what we teach. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. That's my that's my rant of the day. Why am I in a ranty mood today? But it's just it drives me crazy. Astrology, manifestation, affirmations, all that type of woo woo positive psychology. It's just not how we do things around here because there's very little science to show that that stuff really works, anyways. And so much of what we promote is action. 
you know, taking real action. Hey there, ladies. As you can see, we're just getting this podcast off the ground. And since we don't run any ads, I only have one quick favor to ask in return. Can you just take a quick second right now, pause this episode and just leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. Really help us out a lot. And it really does spread the love. And uh, I think the world needs a little bit more of that. So I appreciate you. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, those things are just disempowering. Like it's taking away your own volition, your own agency, your own ability to like really go out and like take ownership over this experience, which is really what what people need to do to to be successful. Um, yeah, and like we work with so many successful women, like really high powered executive level women who are killing it professionally in in many areas of their life. They tend to be very healthy. They tend to focus on um, you know their uh, platonic relationships and so on and so forth. And in other areas of our life, we never say, oh, I'm going to manifest this job by just sitting back and hoping that it comes to me. No, right. you're going to go work it, girl. Like you're going to go make that happen. And um, if a guy or anyone ever said that to me about anything professionally or female, whatever, gender doesn't matter. I would just be like, absolutely not. Go take action. Go take a massive, massive amount of action and bring it to you. So I know this is a huge side tangent, but um, that kind of allows us to combine two podcasts into one because I was going to have one full podcast just on my rant <laughs> and uh, I've gotten it out. So thanks, Gary. Work that it. out of your system. Your shockers are clear. Oh, I, I feel like 10 pounds lighter right now. So whew, <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, I mean, to kind of bring it back to this is like, we're, we're trying to set people up for success. And so the other yeah. mistake people make in it when it comes to asking questions is just ask, like, they don't ask too many questions. They're just asking low quality questions. Mm. And so you can go out with someone for weeks, months, talk nonstop, but really never actually get to know them. And so right. those low quality questions, a lot of it's about like, you know, do you come here? It, it, you know, the classic, do you come here often? Um, and they're just kind of talking about the place where you're going on a date. And like, you can have a lot of conversation about the place that you're at and like looking at other people while you're there. That's not getting to know your partner. You can talk a lot about politics or celebrity gossip. That's not getting to know your partner. A lot of those conversations is just kind of like venting about work related problems and complaining about work or just telling stories about work. It's also, it's going to fill the air. It's going to fill a lot of time. You're going to have, you're going to feel like this weird superficial closeness but it's not yeah. actually getting to know somebody. I mean, when I used to coach men on how to <clears throat> meet women many, many years ago, I would help these guys who were really struggling in their love life, really nice guys who just didn't know how to flirt. I, I had a lot of experience with meeting new women. And the two questions that women would ask in these scenarios constantly, and men are also guilty of this, so I don't want to say it's women, but in you know my experience with women is, what do you do for work and where are you from? And these two questions were like when I would coach men and they were, and I would be next to them. I'd be like wingmanning them just to like help them in the situation. If they asked either of those two questions right off the bat, I would immediately pull them aside and be like, absolutely not. Remove those from your vocabulary. They are the most boring questions in the world. They don't create any real interest and you're not really truly getting to know someone. I mean, yeah, if you're going to ask someone, you know, what they do for work, if it comes up later, Sure, but at least ask them, well, why, why, you know, what made you choose that? You know, what do you find interesting about that? And dive a little bit deeper, get into the emotional side of it. Um, and so 
I just think that is like the ultimate default that everyone goes to when they're asking questions, especially when they, they have a first meetup, when they're online dating, it's like, that's what they default to. And they okay. wonder why they're not creating any real sparks and they're not really getting to know a person. Right. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about the things that people do wrong. And these are things that most people do wrong because they just don't know any better, right? They, they haven't had yeah. the experience. They haven't had the knowledge. And so, you know, if you're doing some of these things, don't beat yourself up about it. it it's it's very, very common. Now, yeah. here are the three things you should ask. And you're going you're gonna to see these are subtle questions. It's not like right in your face, but it's like, these are the kinds of things you can ask and learn about whether this guy's relationship material without coming around and be like, are you relationship material? Which is creepy. Um, and so some questions you can ask it, you know, you're going to ask better questions. You're going to have better conversations. So the first question we suggest to ask is what have you learned about yourself recently? Uh, So so Adam, what's that going to tell us? Well, I mean, I think the big thing is, do they have a growth mindset, right? (laughs) Have they actually, are they actually trying to learn more about themselves? Are they trying to be introspective? Are they introspective? Uh, and if the answer is no, or they have nothing new going on in their life, well, it's an indicator because at the end of the day, when you are considering someone for a long-term relationship and you have a growth mindset, as in your focus on continual improvement, uh, getting to know yourself, being introspective, you want to be with someone who's on that same level. So it's a very, very good indicator of your future potential together. Yeah. And, you know, you want long term conversation, not just for this one date. And so someone who's very thoughtful and like you said, introspective, they're going to have a lot more to talk about. They're going to be a better conversationalist long term um, and and more than just for a a date this particular weekend. Uh, So the second question we ask is, what was the last thing that made you feel like crying? Big caveat on this one. I would not ask this like the first time you meet someone, okay, is a pretty intimate question. So I would certainly build a lot of rapport ahead of time. But I really like this question. I, I actually thought about this when Gary brought this to me for a couple of hours. And I think it's so powerful to understand someone's emotional availability. If a guy is like, just kind of like quickly shrugs you off, is like, oh, come on, cry. I'm not that type of guy. And he goes into that mode. Well, it gives you a little bit of an indicator, right, Gary, of yeah. where they're at. Well, um, and we it's ask a very it. We're not, question. Yeah, we're not asking when was the last time you cried, because that yeah. can be a little tough for a guy. Even if he does cry, like he kind of knows, like that line of like, is it okay to cry or not cry, and how much crying is too much crying, is is a tough line. And this comes up. I'm a little bit of a crier. I have a lot of bit of a crier, right? Like we we did the thing about the notebook. I cried. I cried about the notebook. I cried about a lot of things. Um. But you want to ask this one, like, just when was the last time you kind of felt like crying? Because you want a guy who's comfortable with his emotions, can identify those emotions, knows where those emotions come from, and knows how to deal with those emotions, right? And let's so, try, let's, can we try it right now? Gary, other than the notebook, when was the last time, how does it go, you felt like crying? When was the last time, wait, let me repeat it just so yeah. everyone can use it. What was the last thing that made you feel like crying, Gary? That's because I'm a little bit of a crier. Um, the last thing was on Father's Day. See, I knew it. I knew his daughter. I, okay, you're gonna get me. My daughter, you know, gave me a handwritten card and said about like how. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't talk about this. Oh, bring it! Come on, <laughs> give it to me. 
But it was just like one of those cry over here. Jesus, I'm not a cry either. I I, I came in today all tough things where it was just like a a gratitude, thank you, recognizing what I do for her. You know, it's just like, and you know, she's she's a teenager. You don't get those moments as frequently as I used to. Um, and so, yeah, it's sweet because it means a lot to me. Right? It's like one of those things that's like really central to who I am. Now. Everyone take a moment here, which is, this is a very sweet moment because I'm half crying too right now. This would be the answer to my question. This is the last thing that made me feel like crying is listening to you crying. (laughs) Think about how much this just rounded out Gary in your mind. Imagine you were going on a date with a guy who was a single dad and that was the response he gave. Think about how much information I just gave you about him as a dad. It's it's pretty powerful and it it really kind of rounds some of their long-term potential and uh so gary i think you just got a lot of fans out there <laughs> who want to yeah who wanna i appreciate you. that thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know it, it's kind of like adam said at the beginning if, if this this is a question it, this is a tough first date question but you know i th- yeah so if you don't want to ask this particular question right away definitely back pocket it save it sooner rather than later but you, you can kind of wait but just being mindful of asking about emotions, like tap into things that are uh, deep emotions, like vulnerability, shame, inadequacy, regret. Like regret is a good one to ask guys about because it, it, you have the power dynamics are okay with that one. Like they're not going to feel as vulnerable perhaps with regret. Inadequacy is a great question to ask. It's just that one's a little bit tougher as like an initial thing to ask about because it's a little, guys can sometimes feel that as confrontational. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I once went on a date with a woman. She was like, she was, I believe she was a therapist. She may have been a psychologist, you know, guy. I I forget exactly, but it was actually a really enjoyable first date. We didn't work out for many other reasons, but I remember the first date. I, it was right when I was starting my speaking career and she asked me what I do, which, you know, whatever, um, you know how (laughs) I feel about that. But then I started telling her about my my fear of public speaking and how I got really nervous. And I told her about the situation where I like totally flopped on stage or whatever. And she's like, Oh my God, like how'd that make you feel? I was like, Poof. Embarrassed. And I like never just her asking me, like she's using her training on me a little yep. bit, but it was like a nice moment where I'm like, you know, I, I haven't really thought about that before. Um, how did it make me feel? And it just, it, it created a connection point between the two of us in that moment because I don't know, I'm sharing something super intimate with her that I'd never really thought about or shared before. Because us guys, we're not going around typically thinking about our feelings. We're just not raised that way. I don't know. I mean, society-wise, uh, men are, the masculine energy is typically like, just push that, shove it down. Don't think about it. Just power forward. And when a woman can kind of bring that out in you and he feels like it's a safe environment to kind of open up about those things, man, oh man. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a great, great you know, strategy. So that's what that question is all about is, you know, seeing is he emotionally available? And so, you know, we're focusing a lot on the questions you can ask because obviously you have more control over that. But I would also yeah. kind of point out here too, like pay attention to the questions he's asking you about emotional types of things. Because if he's emotionally available as a guy, He's also going to he's gonna be more in tune with those types of things. And he's going to ask you like, oh, wow, you had a hard day at work. Like, how did that make you feel? Like he's going to focus on, is that frustrating? Right. And like a guy who's emotionally available is going to get away from some of the basic like 
happy, mad, sad emotions and get into vulnerability, frustration, inadequacy, embarrassment, like those, like kind of those next level emotions. So pay attention to some of the emotion words that he uses as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So our third and last subtle question you can ask to kind of dig deep and figure out if he's relationship material is you just ask him, what's your biggest pet peeve? This is broad, yes. it's wide open. He gives him a lot of room to run with this. So what, what do you think, Adam? What, what are the good signs, bad signs with this? Well, I might even take this a step further and say, what is your biggest pet peeve in a relationship? Because for me, that'll give me a lot of really good information about her, maybe even attachment style. Let's say, here, let me paint you two different pictures. I ask a woman, what's your biggest pet peeve in a relationship? And she says, oh, I hate when guys get super clingy. I just like, when guys text me all the time, like, oh, that's such a turnoff. Whereas, let's say she responds to, what's your biggest pet peeve in a relationship? Oh, I just hate when guys just disappear for a couple days and I don't hear from them. Interesting. Well, one might be avoidant and one might be Gary. Anxious. Anxious. Yeah. Or, I mean, they could be both secure. It just might be the way they're answering the question, but it gives you a little bit of information there. It also gives you information about whether or not you would kind of vibe with each other. Like for me, if a woman says, oh, my biggest pet peeve is when I text a guy, he doesn't respond in 30 minutes. I'd be like, "Uh, check, please. Uh, waiter, uh, sir, okay. yes, check please. Uh, cause this ain't gonna work, honey. Like, I am one of those like eight hour, 10 hour responders on texting. Sorry, cause that's just how I roll. So, I think it's a really, really powerful thing to see how, how you kind of vibe with each other. And, and then, you know, and then you just ask that question. It's, it's a fun, it's also kind of a fun question. Like, pet peeves are kind of fun. It's kind of fun to vent a little bit about your pet peeves. So, yeah, that's, that's how I would think about that question. Yeah, I think making it about relationships is really smart because uh, like you said, it, it kind of focuses you in on the right things. Um, and yeah. particularly like something like attachment, if you if you lady, if you have not become well versed in attachment, we have a previous podcast on this, it's really worth kind of digging into attachment theory, understanding what your attachment is, um, so you can identify it in yourself and others because these kinds of questions then are quite revealing. And so it might be an automatic, you know, deal breaker kind of situation where it's like, oh, you don't want to deal with an avoidant guy, right? So that, that just might be a personal preference. But it's also just some of the best information you can have to know your future path forward in this relationship and what it's going to be like. Because like Adam said, it's like somebody might have an avoidant tendency, but still be secure. And so, you know, this is all just good information to have so you know going forward what to look out more for, what to worry about less, and and just kind of it's everything's always is about you know the more knowledge you have, the better choices you're going to make, and so this is a great way to to gain a lot of really important knowledge early on. Yeah, I think questions are just they're they are the most important part of the first two to three dates of getting to know someone. It's like the quality of your questions are really going to dictate the quality of your connection. That's a quote right there. There you go, Gary. Put that up in a little pin it up. But the quality of your connections are based on the are how did I say it? Are the quality of your connections is going to be based on the quality of your questions. And one thing I would find personally that actually became a challenge after a while is that I would ask 
so many questions and really want to get to know someone, not in the way like of interviewing drilling, but like I was just genuinely curious when I was dating that I'm fine that like women wouldn't even be asking me questions because I was just like, I was so much energy is that way. So don't be afraid as kind of a bonus tip to leave space in the in the conversation for him to also ask you questions. A little bit of silence is okay. That's healthy in a in a when you're having a discussion with someone on a first date and allow that kind of energy to come back your way. Because again, if you are the type of woman that we typically work with, that kind of alpha type, take charge, you, you know, run it in the boardroom type woman who's just hyper successful, um, you likely have a way of bringing that interview energy, that penetrating more masculine energy to the conversation into the date. And that is actually going to not build rapport. It's going to break rapport. So allow that space to exist. Allow him for also get to get to know you. Allow yourself to let the, your walls down a little bit as time goes on and be vulnerable yourself and allow that emotion to kind of shine through. Yeah, I, I, that is actually a really important point because if you are someone who's kind of accustomed to being in control in your work environment or some other context, you're just very, it's very natural for you to ask other people questions. And you might even start in your personal life asking other people questions and without realizing it, doing it so that they won't ask you questions. And it's mm. a way, like you said, to kind of keep up that emotional wall. It's like, if I just keep peppering questions and finding out they can't ask me anything and I don't have to be vulnerable at all. And that might yep. feel natural because that's kind of the role you typically play. But that's not the role you need to play in a relationship, right? It's got to be mutual. It's got to be shared power. You both have to be vulnerable. And so, you know, as much as you think like, I just, I'm just being interested. I want to get to know them. Every once in a while, like some of those things that you're doing that seem like they're really heartfelt and intentional and wise and helpful might actually be concealing some other stuff that's going on um, that you're not so ready to admit. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, I really enjoyed this podcast. I think it's super important. And if you uh, enjoyed this and you want more stuff like this, just leave us a comment below this if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, and obviously, feel free to subscribe and follow us on all the different podcast platforms. Thank you so much, Gary. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Ed. All right. So now you've reached the end of the show. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Love Strategies podcast wherever it is that you're listening so that you never feel alone again on your journey to love. As always, if you want to unlock all of our love strategies and begin your love life transformation, head on over to lovestrategies.com to get started. Stay beautiful and uh, speak to you next week.